Well, here we are, Good Friday 2020, and I do confess it's rather surreal standing here on this day of all days in an empty building. None of us thought we'd get to this point in time. Looking back over my notes about Easter 2020, it was around September last year, I was thinking about the theme and how Easter 2020 would look. And I loved the idea and the thought behind a lot can happen over three days. It captured my imagination. It made me think differently about a whole range of things. And it took me to different places as I stopped and thought about this concept of three days, what can happen. And I know that for many of you too, that you are also thinking about so much at this point in time. I love the concept about life, its observation about life. So much can happen in such a short space of time. The fact that it can create interesting, interesting conversations, which it has been for me and I'm sure for you. Um, and when I think about that first Easter, there's no doubt in just three days, everything changed about everything. And we'll touch on that today and indeed on Easter Sunday. Of course, there's many circumstances in life where these, this concept of three days has its own impact. Uh, when I look back at biblical events, world events, uh, local events, personal events, there's so much that can go on in just that short space of time. Let me give you just a few examples that captured my attention. I'm sure there's many others that would capture your attention. For the old rockers out there, you might remember a particular concert called Woodstock, 1969. Three days of love peace and music. In fact, the moon landing in three days, it takes about three days to go from here to the moon, traveling in a certain uh, distance and speed. You can actually teach your child to ride a bike in under three days. You can actually fall in love in three days. If you're sitting with your loved one, just squeeze their hand, uh, just if that's you. I know many people have been in that situation. Um, sales, you can have a three-day sale, you can have a house makeover in three days. In so many things, there's this three-day concept that can happen. Of course, then there is this thing called the coronavirus. The ministry team on the 17th of March, after so much had gone on, were planning services for the following Sunday. And in just three days, they went from, yes, we're meeting on Sunday to maybe we're meeting on Sunday with a few less people to the final, in fact, we can't meet on Sunday. So much happened in such a short space of time. And it's no accident that this number three has its own impact. Apparently, uh, it's one of, the, one of the most famous things around and the quotes that we see about the number three. It has its own impact. Uh, three little pigs, three blind mice, the three musketeers, uh, the three stooges, uh, Goldilocks and the... You can say the word yourself. This rule of three, it's diverse, but it impacts so many things. Think of these sayings like friends, Romans, countrymen, uh, faith, hope and charity. Stop, look and I came, I saw, you know the other word, I conquered. The point being that this number three has its own impact. And when I think about Easter, three days, it certainly has changed my life and has changed the life of millions of people. Jesus' death and resurrection changed everything and it happened in just three days. 
Jesus in three days went from being a king to being crucified as a criminal on a cross uh, and then became a resurrected king, fulfilling all that he said he would and all that would come true. And the reality of Easter and the simple point that needs to be made again and again is that because of Christ's death and resurrection, we are no longer isolated from God. So on that point, I'm going to pray that God uses my words as he impacts all of us watching right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can stop right now in this way. May it be that my words bring honour to you and the name of Jesus is lifted high. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If there's one word that keeps coming up at the moment, it's the word isolation. Uh, We're all getting used to that word. Self-isolation. Fifty years ago, one of the ways I've been processing the last few weeks is looking back at history, wondering about how did people in the past process change and what they went through. So picture the scene, it's 1970, 50 years ago in fact uh, this year, and a particular young man, he'd been part of the most famous group ever in history. That's right, called the Beatles. John Lennon wrote a song, his first album after coming out of that band, And the song he wrote was called, who'd have thought, Isolation. That was the name of the song. At the time, John Lennon had been feeling disillusioned with so much that he'd seen in his world. He'd received a lot of criticism. Obviously, his wife Yoko had been attacked in all sorts of ways. And he was feeling at the time very insecure. The world and all it had to offer was not giving him the peace that he thought it would. The lyrics that he wrote in that song called Isolation captures it well. People say, we've got it made. Don't they know we're so afraid? Isolation. We're so afraid to be alone. Everybody has got to have a home. Isolation. Lennon was feeling very vulnerable. Despite his fame, his possessions and all that he had, he had this profound sense of isolation. Who would have thought all these years later, 50 years later in fact, that we now, if we're experiencing one thing, it's isolation from friends, from families. uh, And we are getting, I suppose, used to it as best we can. The simple routines of life are being turned upside down again and again and again. And maybe our current isolation is teaching us things that either we'd forgotten or we're being reminded of in this particular season. But more than that, Isolation is teaching us greater things about God and us. Do we really want to be isolated from him forever? Because right now, let's be blunt, let's be direct, we are getting this uncomfortable sense of what it's like to be physically isolated from each other. And my guess is, like me, we're struggling with that. Let me sow the seed already. Imagine a day coming when you are spiritually isolated from God for all eternity. That is not something I want, and I'm sure that's not something you want either. So let's think for a moment about this isolation between man and God and that first Easter and all that happened. Day one, the Bible tells us it began early, probably around 6.30 a.m. They led Jesus from Caiaphas under the Hall of Judgment. It was early. And they themselves went uh, not into the judgment hall lest they be uh, defiled. So they didn't want to do that. They took Jesus, they beat his back until blood ran freely. 
they pushed a crown of thorns on his head. Next came that infamous purple robe, the slapping, the mockery, the spitting, all that went on. The crowd screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate, as you heard this morning, hesitated. And he said, I find no fault in him. But in the end, the crowd won out. That, can I say it, cowardly Pilate was more concerned with his political fortunes than what was happening with the person in front of him. About nine o'clock Friday morning, the parade began from Pilate's judgment hall to Golgotha. The weakened Jesus carrying his own cross. They reached the crest of the hill. The soldiers uh, threw Jesus down on the splintered wood and they started to pound nails into his hands and feet. You know the heartbreaking story, which is my guess is why you've tuned in this morning. Isolation in a particular way and suffering that way in, it we'd never seen before. Here is a son of God, God who became flesh in the person of Jesus, just about to be so isolated from his heavenly father, the world would be shocked. Why? Because of his love, actually. Because of his love for us, this was happening. A love that would require such an isolation at a point in time that there could be a future. And why? It's our sin that held him there. And again, let me say it to you just so you can think about what's coming up. Uh, if we are feeling uncomfortable with this physical isolation from each other, and I know I am, and I'm sure you are too, and we've never experienced this before, do not come to a place in time where you experience that eternal isolation from our Heavenly Father, that spiritual isolation. And if you're feeling uncomfortable now, imagine how you're going to feel then. And so here with Jesus, they dropped the cross into the ground and Jesus hung there as his life slowly left him. And then a gasp as he gave up his life. The religious leaders at the time responded to themselves that if Jesus was truly the son of God, then he's either going to save himself or God's going to come down and do it for him. Because a crucified Messiah was unthinkable. It does not make sense that if you're going to have a king, that this king, this leader, would be hanging on a cross. So for them, that act on the cross at that point in time was no proof at all of God's love or God's concern or God's desire to bring a world back into relationship with him. In fact, they did expect that God would somehow come and rescue him. Yet, the true cost of love was being seen then, as we reflect on it now, with Jesus hanging and staying on that cross. The enormity of Jesus' death sometimes tempts us to either minimise its horror, because it's hard to think about it, let alone its effect. However, it does us well to remember, especially in our context today, this period of isolation, as we reflect on this death of Christ, to remember the reality of his own ultimate isolation from God. The physical pain was one thing. 
But to be separated by death from his heavenly father is another thing. And yet such love and such a cost as we've heard read out to us from Matthew 27 and Matthew 28, profound. Painful, brutal, agonizing. How costly is this love? Uh, Jesus felt this and we heard it in his cry. Matthew 27. Uh, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lamach Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That profound sense of separation, that profound sense of impending isolation, and yet, we know if you read earlier, for example, from Matthew 26, this was his heavenly father's will. Costly. And yet this must happen so that our sins, our pain, the things we've done could be paid and covered. And I'm sure as even I say that and I think about those words, surely that act was not in vain. Would that isolation, that separation, that death of Christ, would it be worth it? You see, we could ask each other that question right now, couldn't we? Is our self-isolation from each other, and especially coming into these most famous public holidays in Australia, is it going to be worth it in the long run? Most say absolutely. Others are not quite sure. But Jesus was isolated he felt the pain of that and the cross which was a symbol of execution back then for all of us because of what happened in just three days has changed profoundly because it's now a symbol of hope that which was a symbol of isolation separation from family and friends now has become a symbol of being back in one with each other how did it happen? Because Jesus chose to have that happen. And after Friday, this Good Friday, and why is it good? Because there's so many benefits that have come from it, which we'll see. Because we know that Sunday is coming. And yes, Jesus' death was experienced in isolation. Isolation from his Father. And right now, again, I say to you, that we are understanding more and more that isolation is actually costly. It's costly on our families, it's costly on us, on our friends. And the social brokenness that was there prior to the virus continues to grow. And it'll grow beyond even when it's all over. Cities, communities, hospitals overloaded, frontline people, doctors, nurses, uh, technicians, all these people being stretched Becoming weary, deaths increasing. Uh, the way we process even funerals today, profoundly different. And there's going to be a continued rise, I'm guessing, of businesses struggling, unemployment, uh, the struggles of, of other people, nations, polarised. The impact on church, who knows what church will be like in the days to come. And for us, in our own state, and our own nation, coming out of the drought, the bushfires, the floods, and now this virus, 
we are going to be more tired coming out of this than when we went in. And there are no shortcuts to this. There are no shortcuts to make it all change overnight, just like there are no shortcuts to salvation. For us to be saved, someone has to die. For us to be called guiltless, someone has to be called guilty. For us to be called forgiven, someone has to be condemned. A a substitution has to happen. Someone else has to absorb that which we cannot do. That person is Jesus. For love to be genuine and felt very, very deeply, and we've sung about that this morning, someone has to pay a profound price for that to occur. For eternal isolation to end, something has to happen. A cure has to be found. A permanent vaccine, uh, an antidote, could we say, to help us move forward into a new situation. That is the same for the virus. That is absolutely true of my sin and your sin. A cure has to be found. A, A vaccine needs to be discovered. Someone has to go forward so that others can follow. Jesus' death on the cross is that cure, that antidote for sin. A once for all sacrifice, the Bible tells us. And Jesus' love in staying there has changed everything. And it would cost Christ his life to secure such a cure. And on this Good Friday of 2020, we need to know that and remember that. We know the pain of isolation and it's far from over. But I tell you, on this day, as I reflect on the death of Christ, I know that for all time I no longer have to be separated from my God. I know that because of Christ and as I look to him and trust him because of what he has done, I no longer have to be separated from God. I know that it's the same for many watching this morning. But I also wonder about you who has not yet come to that place where you can actually say, I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus. You see, why do we need salvation? The more I look at the world, the more I read about the world, there is something terribly wrong. Uh, More and more we're seeing how we're acting in such a time as this. Growing stress, anxiety, greater worries about the future, what will it look like? Uh, More and more this so-called, I think we thought we had this profound sense of tranquility. Is going. And the change we're experiencing is going to be with us for a long time to come. Sin is serious. My sin, your sin, the sin of murder, the sin of abuse, the sin of terrorism, addiction, arguments, it's serious. And surely, can I say, we must really know that the answer is not blowing in the wind. But on a cross where the Son of God hung, to reconcile us to God, this murder most foul. What is Easter about? It's about this revelation, uh, this revelation of God's love for his world. And we can see through what happened on that first Good Friday that we are no longer separated in an isolated state from God. It's a picture that's presented again and again. I think every Sunday or every day as we stop and think about that, This love that is so undeserved for us. 
We know the depth of someone's love for us, depending on how far they go and to show it. If we have treated someone well in our life and have done all they expect us to do, then my guess is they'll probably love us back. And it shouldn't surprise us. It's sort of expected. Jesus himself reflected on this in a part of the Bible called Matthew 5. He said this, If you love those who love you, what gain is that? If you want to see true love and genuine love, then how about you love your enemies? How about you love those who hate you? How about you love those that cause you pain? How about you even love those who crucify you on a cross? Now there, my brothers and sisters, is true love. A love that maybe we don't see that much of today. It's amazing. We sing that. It's deep. We sing that and say that. And I think as I reflect on this love, the more I realize how undeserving I am of God's love, the greater I realize the depth of that love for me and for you. And love has its benefits. You know love has its benefits. I'm guessing right now, uh, as husbands and wives and families and single people, as we try to somehow process this, you know who truly cares for you or who loves you by their acts. Um, we know the benefits of being loved. Um, if someone helps you pass an exam that you're struggling with, you think that's really helpful. Thank you for that. We feel loved in a special way. If you ring up your parents... And say, look, I need a break from the kids. How about you look after them for about a month? Sorry, Emma, can't happen today. We know how this love can affect us. I love a book by Shauna Nequist on bitterness. And she says this, everybody has a home team. It's the people you call when you get a flat tire or when something terrible happens. It's the people who, near and far, know everything that's wrong with you and yet love you anyway. These are the ones who you can tell your secrets to, who get themselves a glass of water without asking when they're at your house. I actually call them the fridge people. My sons are like that. They go to the cupboard, the fridge when they visit. They don't have to ask. You know that's true love. These are the people who cry when you cry because you feel the same pain. These are your people, she says, the middle of the night people, that no matter what is happening, they can call you because of love. You see, when I stop and think about Good Friday and think about so much that happened in such a short space of time, I'm reminded again and again that love is costly. It costs to have my sins changed and covered. It costs to have my slate if I could say that word, wiped clean. And this love, as seen in Christ for us, as demonstrated the end of his life, so that indeed we can move forward. It's profound. It's profound. It's funny, we are hearing again and again, if you truly love someone, you will not see them. If you truly love someone, you will self-isolate. If you truly love someone, after this service today, you will not go around to their house and visit them. And we're all finding that really quite strange. And yet when I think of Good Friday, Christ chose that isolated moment so that we ourselves could be rejoined, reconnected, and can have that same resurrected life with his Heavenly Father. 
So his death on the cross means our isolation with God has ended forever, for all time. All that was hidden is no longer hidden. And yes, there'll come a day when I have to stand before God and give an account of my life. You too will have to do this. And let's be honest, I know I'm guilty of many things. Things done, things spoken, things not done, things not spoken, things I've thought about. I'm, I'm guilty. Let's bring it closer to home. Let's say I lose my license for speeding. Let's say I steal something, do some other crime. The day will come when I have to face an earthly judge. On that day, people who I've wronged will want what? They will want justice. On that day, a crime committed will have a penalty attached. But on that day, as people are seeking justice or simply calling out, crucify him, crucify him. On that day when you and others are seeking justice, guess what I'll be seeking? On that day, that most terrible of terrible days, I'll be asking that judge for mercy, for grace. That's what I'll be doing on that day. And that'll be the same when I stand before our Heavenly Father. I'll say, look to Christ. That's where the justice and the penalty is paid. I want mercy and grace. I know you do too. And it's because of Jesus' death that we can have that. Again, it's amazing how much can happen in just three days. When I think of Christ's life and I think of the miracles he did, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing, the way he spoke, the way he walked, all that he did. To think about how this innocent man went to that cross. It's hard to process. And yet, Good Friday shows me that Jesus walked into that broken world Stayed on that cross so indeed we could move forward. So we could have freedom. Jesus on that day said, I want to purchase their freedom. I want to pay a price they cannot pay. A price that will give them life. And that is so profound. You know, I know those people at, the, at that, res, at that uh, crucifixion were standing there saying, if you are the Son of God, come down. How about you come down so life can go back to normal, a word I'm hearing a lot of. How about we just flick a switch and we ourselves go back to well, what is normal? Without Christ's death, what's normal? Sins left unpaid, no relationship with the living God, no hope, no future. That's not normal to me. I don't want that normal. Christ needs to stay on that cross so indeed I can have a future and a hope. An infinite price was paid for an infinite love. Sinless perfect the son of the living God how much would it cost to gain our freedom it would cost Jesus his life so how personally should we take this love this isolation I wonder can I ask you in about three days how will you feel what will happen for you later today tomorrow Easter Sunday in this weird Easter we're all experiencing how will you feel Will you feel different or worse? I want to speak to you directly today and say, a relationship with Christ changes everything. And these three days that we are experiencing right now in Easter 2020 could be the very three days that could change your life as well. You see, there's a choice when it comes to isolation. And on the cross, 
Jesus wasn't just extending goodwill for us. He was not extending charity to say, look, don't worry, I'll do this, it's all okay. No, it's more than that. On the cross, what was being seen is a great cost was being paid for a great sin that we had committed. On the cross, we are seeing, and Shane touched on this earlier, a love so powerful and so strong that would change everything. You see, this is not a day, it seems to me, that you can say to God, no, how about I meet you halfway? How about I do my bit and you do your bit? No, 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 no. no. God has done his bit. God has done all that is required, and that's sin and his son dying. Brothers and sisters, I, I've lived over 60 years now, and I've heard so many conversations with people about, well, Ian, at the 11th hour of my life, that's when I'll have a conversation with God. The problem is far too many people pass away at 10 a.m. and never get to that 11th hour. Good Friday is a day that you should consider your life. Good Friday 2020 in this current world needs reflection. It needs thought about where you are going eternally, not just in the next three months. Your life meant that Christ died for it. It was worth that. So right now, as we all experience these low points in life, and everyone is affected, no matter whether you're a prime minister, a premier, a, a politician, a school teacher, a nurse, a doctor, uh, rich or poor, whether you live in a certain area, we are all affected in the same way. And there are lessons we need to learn. It has been said uh, by C.S. Lewis that if you look for truth, you may also find comfort in the end. But if you look for comfort you will actually not get either comfort or truth, but only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin. And in the end, your life will be in despair. As important as soap is in today's world, there is another important thing that we need to do. And that is to assess our relationship with Christ, the one who gave his life for us. And that's what I'd like you to do today. Are you looking for truth? Are you looking for something that can change your circumstance? Are you looking beyond this moment in time? Are you looking to an eternal perspective? For a God who has made himself known, for a God who's given his life for you, come to Christ today. I tell you, before this season passes, and it will pass, it will pass, come to Christ Understand who he is and what he has done. If you're looking for answers through human history, through ambition, work, money, location, uh, empire, politics, whatever it is, it doesn't have the answer that God has given us in his son. This is exactly what the centurion said in our reading. When the centurion and those who were with him guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened and they were terrified, and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. What about you? Would you say that? Who do you say is? You see, right now I'm going to ask you just to stop in your lounge room, wherever you're watching this, and reflect on the condition of your soul. How well is your soul? 